Well, today we're continuing our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're coming to that passage of Scripture called chapter 13. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter, and I need you to do something. Just pretend that you're not in a wedding, okay? Because this is where you usually hear this chapter. It's not about a wedding in context. It's very important. Well, the word love is the word that is used here, and it's the word agape. Now, agape is not a word that was used back in the culture of that day. It was only a word that was used among believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible elevates Christian love, agape, as the greatest commandment. Think of all of those Old Testament commands, all of the ones Jesus summed them all up And to love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So love is the greatest command in the whole Bible. Also, love is the first one of the fruit of the Spirit. You're trying to act like a Christian, try to to imitate what the Lord Jesus is. The first one, love, then joy, peace, long-suffering, and all of that. Jesus also gave love a different distinction. When he said in the upper room, he said... A new commandment I give to you. Now, this is not new. He's told them about it before. But he is placing it into the importance of new, meaning it should dominate your life. So love, what does it mean? Well, the New Testament idea of love means a deep concern and affection for God and men, resulting in self sacrificing actions for the good of others and the glory of God. Now, we have a tendency to pull this chapter out of context and deal with it separately. But you've got to realize that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians to the Corinthians and chapter 13 is right in the middle of all of those abuses, all of those problems that they had. He was still dealing with the Corinthians' problem when he wrote these words. Their misuse of the gift of tongues, their envy and others' gifts, their division in the church, their selfishness at the lawsuits, and impatience with one another at the Lord's table table when they would eat before the others got there, and their behavior in disgracing the Lord. So the cure for all of these abuses is really a good healthy dose of biblical love, the agape kind of love. Now in this chapter, we're going to look at three characteristics of Christian love and show their importance in ministry. Follow as I read verses 1 to 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, 
they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence with this passage of Scripture. And we know that, God, we need your Holy Spirit to help us to understand it. But we also need your Spirit to help us to live it. Father, I pray that we would look deep inside our own soul and see how we can be more loving. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice in this passage, the first three verses shows us that love is enriching. Paul said, though I speak, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand and bestow and give and I do all of this good stuff, but I don't have love, it's worth nothing. Let's look at the fact that love will enrich our speaking. Now, the Corinthians were big in speaking in tongues. Chapter 12 and chapter 14 show that. Now, Paul said, though, if, even though I can speak in the tongues of men, the various languages that, that men speak, and that that was the gift of tongues that the church had in speaking God's revelation in different languages to show that he was doing something, and though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, the tongues of angels. Now, some people have taken that to, to mean that some kind of heavenly language that was spoken there in the church. Now, angels, when you see them speaking in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, what language did they speak? Well, they spoke the language of men. But Paul was saying hypothetically, even if the language... There is some kind of different language that angels speak to one another in heaven. Even though I would have the ability to have that language and I'd speak in angels' tongues in the midst of your congregation. But if I do not have love for people, it's as if I was a clanging cymbal and sounding brass. I've got toddler grandchildren, and once in a while, they get musical. They uh, go over into the corner and find mom or grandma's uh, pots and pans, and they get out a wooden spoon, and they start banging on that. Now, they think they're mu making music, but to us, of course, when they're grandkids, they do nothing wrong, but at least it sounds like just noise when they're banging on that. And Paul is saying, even though I would be able to speak with an angel's tongue and impress everybody, and they would look at me, wow, it, to God's ears, it's just as worthless as banging on pots and pans. It has no value, even though... I have that gift in speaking. Now, our oral communications as Christians is very important. Paul talked about prophecy and speaking in tongues. And we're very valuable. But today, our, 
our oral communications is, is very important as we exercise our faith. We need to witness. We need to share the gospel with other people, and that's valuable. We need to preach the word of God, expose the scripture, expound upon it, teach it so that we can live it. And we need to use our words to encourage God's people. But without love in doing that, it's worthless. If you don't have a love for the other person you're trying to communicate to, it's like banging on some pots and pans. So love enriches our speaking. It also enriches our knowing. Paul talked about in chapter 13 about knowing and understanding all mysteries. This word of knowledge that God gifted those Corinthians a revelation from the Lord so they could share it with others. If they had all of that understanding that God revealed to them, what good is a good knowledge of the word if you keep it to yourself and you do not communicate it to other people in love. Someone said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Years ago, I had a notable speaker come to church. He was an author of several books. He was on television. He had an earned doctorate. He was a skilled communicator in a certain point of doctrine. And you would think that uh, it would be uh, tremendous and that would be enough. But when he preached, he was rude. He was rude to a member of our church. I took him out to lunch. He was rude to the waitress. <laughs> and I right then and there said, I'm never going to have him come back and preach in the church. Because it really doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how, how skilled you are in communication. If you don't love the people, if you think it's all about me and you're not trying to minister to them because of love, then it's worthless, Paul said. It, it's, it's not, love is more important. Love can enrich your knowledge of the word. Also, it enriches our giving. Notice what Paul says in, in verse 3. Even if I would give all my goods to feed the poor... That's like emptying out your bank account, selling all that you have, and giving. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving. Giving is a spiritual gift. Giving is a, a quality of Christian life. We need to give. But Paul would say, even though if you would give all that you own to help people that are poor, send it over to Ukraine, help to feed those people and help them to get back in their families, even though you were able to help a lot of different people, if you don't have love, it doesn't profit you anything. If you're just doing it for a tax write-off, if you're just giving so that other people could say, wow, look at that guy. Look at the donor. He's in the $25,000 club and give him an applaud. And if you're doing it for that, you might as well keep your money because it doesn't profit you anything. And Paul even goes to the extreme. He said, even if I would give my body to be burned. He says, what is that? Well, they were facing persecution. And a few years after Paul wrote this, Nero began to burn Christians in the arena in Rome. And if you denied your Lord, then they wouldn't burn you. But if you stood faithful, even though you would be burning your body, and if you didn't have love for God when you're doing it, that sacrifice would be worthless. God the Father taught us how to love, didn't he? 
when he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God the Son taught us how to love by giving his life and commanding us to love each other. The Holy Spirit teaches us to love one another by pouring out God's love in our hearts, Romans 5.5. 5. The most important lesson in the school of faith is to love one another. Love not only enriches all that it touches, love is edifying in verses 4 through 7. In other words, love is not just a, a concept. It needs to put on its boots and act differently. Now again, pretend you're not at a wedding. And as we read these verses in verses 4 through 7, think of it as putting your name in there. Where we look at 1 Corinthians thirteen four, it says, Love suffers long. Jim suffers long. Gary is kind. Sally does not envy. Just put your name, whatever it is, in there. And look as if God is speaking to our own individual hearts. Love is edifying. First of all, love suffers long. You know what that means? Love is patient. Love is patient with people. There's people that just drive you crazy, don't they? I wish you'd hurry up and get this done. Please hurry up and get up here. Most men your age, my age, have learned when you're waiting on your wife and you're out in the car, you do not honk the horn. <laughs> You've learned that, haven't you? You learn to be patient. Love is patient. Love is also kind. Her name was Mamie Adams. And she always went to a branch post office in her town because the postal employees that were there were very friendly and kind to her. She went there to buy stamps just before Christmas one year. And the lines were particularly long and she stood in line. And someone pointed out, ma'am, uh, there's a stamp machine right over there. You don't have to wait in line. I know, said Mamie, but the stamp machine won't ask me about my arthritis. <laughs> You go to places because they treat you kindly, don't you? I mean, we, we want to cater to those that speak kindness. And I hope that you can put a plaque over your door of your home that says, kindness spoken here. I hope that we can put that over the door of our church in our imagination. Kindness and love spoken here. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Now in verse 4 it says that. And the people in Corinth were envying each other's spiritual gift. They were saying, oh, I wish I had that, you know, and I wish I had that. And we can do that today as well. Hey, you know, I, I work just as hard. I am just as talented as this other person. But why did they get the promotion and I didn't? We grumble and we stew about that. We don't envy other people's success. Wow, I'm so glad for you that you got that. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself or brag or boast. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 too, Let another man praise you and not yourself. Have you ever watched a parade? And uh, maybe you've actually rode on a float in a parade. Have you ever done that? Now, when you're riding on a float in a parade, 
you've got to learn how to wave. Now, you can't wave like this, can you? How do you wave when you're in a parade? Oh, there, she's got it. You wave like this. You must have been a beauty queen or something. Or something. You just wave like this. And you're out there in the float and you're waving everybody. You're smiling at everybody. You, you, you stick your hand in the big candy jar and throw out some candy and you wave to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I want to tell you, in the Christian walk, love doesn't parade itself. You don't go around saying, look at me, everybody, you lucky people. I am somebody. I am special. And you need to acknowledge that love for people doesn't parade self. It's about getting somebody else on the float. It's about promoting others and not yourself. Love doesn't parade itself. And it goes along with the next one, is not puffed up. I'm somebody. And everybody needs to understand that. How many of you have ever heard of the expression, drinking the Kool-Aid? You remember when that was uh, invented in uh, the Jim Jones cult, remember, when he fixed the grape Kool-Aid and laced it with cyanide or something and everybody in that cult died and they drank the Kool-Aid. Well, you know what the Kool-Aid of our culture is? The Kool-Aid of American culture is self-esteem and self-love. I have to make a confession. I watched American Idol last week. And... uh, I, I, I looked at every one of those contestants getting on there and all the judges were looking at them. And you know, the greatest sin of our culture in our culture is, is not feeling proud of yourself. Not feeling great about yourself. Even if you're lousy, even if you can't sing a lick, you need to feel good about yourself. And every one of those said, I, I know, I, I, I can't deny how good I am and how great I am, and I'm going to pursue my dream. It's the Kool-Aid of our culture. And it's so much against this verse. Love isn't puffed up, thinking that you are somebody. We need to understand that what we have and what we are All have been given to us as a gracious gift of God. I'm not somebody, but I love someone who is great. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's not about thinking negatively of yourself. It's just not to think a lot about yourself at all. It's about thinking of other people and promoting other people. That's what love does. It's not all about me. And the sooner you learn that, the easier the Christian life is going to be. You don't care who gets promoted because, hey, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Everything that I get outside of hell is God's favor on me. We need to understand that. Love is not only puffed, not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Well, you know those Corinthians, when they were at their carry-in dinner, their potluck dinner, as I said before, The rich people brought in the T-bone steaks and they brought in all of the gracious food. And, you know, they went over to one table and they didn't share it with anybody else. As a matter of fact, as soon as they got there and it was time for the love feast, they didn't wait for the poor people to show up. They ate it quickly so they didn't have to. They were being rude. They, Paul says, love does not behave rudely. How do we behave rudely? rudely. There was a survey one taken about different rude behaviors and these are some of the ones 
that the author considers rude. Cutting in line, that's rude. That doesn't happen very much here because the seniors will cut you uh, if you get in front of them. (laughs) Interrupting people when they're talking because what you have to say is more important than them. Not returning your shopping cart. God forgive me. Bad table manners. Using the last of anything and not replacing it. That's where I told you, dear, that I'm sorry for that behavior. (laughs) Being late consistently. Taking handicapped parking spaces when you do not have a handicapped thingy on your rearview mirror. Being treating store employees or wait staff rudely like you're, they're your slaves. Talking and using a cell phone in a movie theater, not picking up after your dog. Any confessions here? Love does not behave rudely. Now, the next four taken together are the equivalent of being considerate. And having a high regard for the needs and feelings of others. Love does not seek its own. You're not focused mainly on yourself. Love is not provoked. What does it take to tick you off? Love refuses to have a short fuse or fly off the handle. Love thinks no evil. Now that means does not keep any record of wrongs. Warren Wiersbe said, one of the most miserable men I ever met was a professed Christian who actually kept in a notebook a list of the wrongs he felt others had committed against him. Now, you might not have a notebook, but you've got it stored up there in the brain cavity somewhere. Somebody that did something to you, and you're going to bring it up in the appropriate moment. Forgiveness means that we wipe the record clean and never hold things against people. We understand that people are frail and sinners just as we are. But what were the Corinthians doing about this thing? They were suing each other in the church. They couldn't resolve things. They didn't want to resolve things through counseling or anything like that. So they took them before the unsaved court system and sued each other. And Paul says, you shouldn't do that. You have the Holy Spirit of God. There's godly people in the congregation. Let's work this out and and not hold these things. And if you can't, just let it go. Let it go. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Yet the Corinthians were boasting about sin in their church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We should never find a sick pleasure in any injustice or sinful failure of another believer. Every week that goes by, there's another believer that lives like the devil and another pastor that falls or somebody else that is not living according to the Christian. What does it do to us? I hope that we, we have a heartbreak. First of all, a broken heart for that brother or sister that did that. And the second thing, God, keep me. Keep me from doing the same thing. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth of God. Rejoices when the truth of God is disseminated. 
I remember the Apostle Paul was writing uh, about some of the fellow preachers there that hated his guts. They didn't like Paul at all. As a matter of fact, they, they wrote letters and they spoke against Paul. And you know what Paul said in Philippians? I don't care what they say about me. As long as the gospel is preached, I rejoice in the fact that the gospel is there, even though they have animosity towards myself. You know, there's other people that are out there preaching the word of God, and we should be rejoicing that the gospel is preached, even if the, uh, they have more people and if there's the truth being disseminated out there, we rejoice that it doesn't have to have the same label over our church name. We rejoice in the truth. Love bears all things. That means puts up with because of love. Remember when you took your marriage vows? To love and to cherish in sickness and in health, in richer or poor. One wife says, I've had the poor. When, when am I going to get the richer? <laughs> <laughs> I've walked with you people. I've listened to your stories. And I've witnessed what love is in this congregation. I've seen some of you men, some of you women, love a spouse with Alzheimer's. That's real love, folks. You know what that is. I've seen you care for your wife, for your husband, when they're sick and they've got cancer, when, they, when they've got things that are going on in their life that they can't do by themselves. Love bears all things. And you don't do it grudgingly. You do it joyfully because that's what love does. Love puts up with a, a lot of things because it endures all things. What task has God asked you to bear, to put up with because of love? Love believes all things. Now, it doesn't mean that love is blind and naive, but love accepts, doesn't accept everything as true. But we, love means that we Believe the best in people and don't believe the slander that people are giving. Love believes all things and love hopes all things. You've met people that are very negative, that go through life thinking, I'll never get better. The sun will never shine. It'll never get warm. And uh, I'll never get ahead or we can live, we can Choose to live that way. But love is optimistic. Why? It's not because we just believe that things are going to get better. We have a God that loves us. We have a God that gave his son for us. We have a God that's promised us eternal life in heaven. And the Bible says in Romans 8, He that did not spare his own, shall he not with him also freely give us all things that are for our good? For, our, for God's glory and our good. Yes, we need to have that hope. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. What does that mean? Love hangs on no matter how difficult things get. Hang in there, my friend, when you teach that Sunday school class. Hang in there in your marriage. Hang in there when you're dealing with those children. Love endures in a righteous task. 
Love also is enduring. Paul concludes this chapter with comparing love with spiritual gifts. And he says, love, gifts are temporary and partial. We only know in part and we prophesy in part. And gifts are formative and will end. Prophecies will fail, as Paul said. Tongues will cease in and of themselves without some external terminating influence. And church history bears this out. Knowledge, that spiritual gift of knowledge, will vanish away. But knowledge is progressive. Paul said, when I was a child, I behaved and acted and spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And he said in verse 12, right now I see in a mirror dimly. What does that mean? Well, in Corinth, they were known for their polished uh, brass. Corinthian bronze or brass was a very, uh, very notable product. That was, And they would make mirrors out of polished brass. It wasn't the kind of mirrors we have today. And when you looked at your reflection in one of these brass mirrors, it didn't show you an accurate reflection. There was some defects in it and things like that. And Paul says, that's the way we look at things now. It's our gift of prophecy and tongues and all of that now. But there's going to be a day when we will not look in the mirror, but we will look face to face in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will know him just like he knows us. That day is coming. And love is eternal. Paul said in verse 13, he says, And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Well, the prophecies and the tongues and the knowledge is going to cease. And now we have faith, hope, and love. But one day, guess what? We won't need faith. We believe Jesus Christ died on the cross. We believe. We believe that he rose again. We believe the Bible. But when one day, we won't have to believe anymore. We won't have to have faith because we'll have sight. We'll see him. We'll see the print of nails, just like Thomas said. Hope is looking forward to heaven, but Then, when we get there, we won't have to hope for it. It will be arriving. It will be ours. But love, that's the one that we keep through all eternity. Love never collapses. Love is the greatest commandment of the whole law. Summarized, loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Loving our neighbor as ourself. The fruit, the first fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Jesus gave us a new commandment. The greatest thing of a Christian life is love. Let me ask you a few questions here and how to apply this passage of Scripture to our own life. Again, this is not for a wedding. This is for a church with flaws. This is for a believer who is trying his best to obey God's word. Let me ask you, Who is on the outside of your embrace of love? I was thinking that this week and praying. And I thought, Vladimir Putin, 
He's on the outside. And then God said, well, why don't you pray that he'll get saved then? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess I can make it a little bit further and put him there and, and pray that he'll get saved. But I'm sure that there's somebody that you're thinking of that you're having a tough time loving. Ask the Holy Spirit. Hey, folks, you won't be able to conjure up this kind of love. It comes from God. It says in Romans 5, 5, that the Holy Spirit pours into us God's love so that we can love others. Ask the Lord to give you a love for that person, even if you have no, no intention of loving them. The Lord can give you that supernatural love. The second thing is, it really doesn't matter how much you know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you teach, if you have a lot of Bible knowledge and you don't love people, it's worthless. It's just for you. You need to share it. You need to love people with the knowledge of the word of God, not your skills. And third, if we ever want to make our mark for the cause of Christ, we must begin with love. Love is so important. It's the first thing. It's the most important thing. And let's pray that God would help us with that. Will you bow in prayer? Father in heaven, I have to confess to you right now that I need this in my life. I pray that you would help me to love like I should. I pray that our church would be a place where we could put over the outside of our door love spoken here. I pray that, Father, we in our own families would be a family that is characterized by love, not bitterness and anger and not pride and rudeness. I pray that love would be spoken in our homes and in our own lives. I pray that the rest of this world would know us because of our love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.